want to say happy Father's Day to all of our fathers here. Happy Father's Day. How many dads we got here? Raise your hand. Who's the dad? Come on, you got to raise your hand. There you go. Good. Actually, oh, let's give a big round of applause, gentlemen, and let's welcome Josh to the Father yes. Club, right? Very, very good. Welcome, 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 right? Everybody, I, we were joking earlier, Courtney says, well, does it count? And yes, yes. because your son, your son is just as your son now as he will be in just a few more months when he comes here in person, amen? He is alive and well with us, and so welcome to fatherhood. You're going to absolutely love it. It's the best thing. And, and I'm just going to share something. I have a, a message I'm going to share, and then for this, we're going to shoot to be here about another 30 minutes or so, and then we'll dismiss everybody and enjoy their Father's Day. But I want the dads to listen uh, we, I shared a little bit of this yesterday uh, during the men's conference, and it's something that always strikes me, that as fathers, it's the only role and position in life that actually is connected and mirrored to God's closest heart. Because how do we know God? God is our... Father. Think about it. He's our Father. Come on, everybody. God is our Father. Do you know that Jesus said we actually, I don't know if I'll tell you, we actually says we, our heart and the Holy Spirit in us actually cries out a different word. It's an Aramaic word. What's the word? Abba. Abba. Not the man from Sweden. <laughs> but it calls out Abba. And it's so funny that in that language, there was only one word, Abba, that talked about all aspects of fatherhood. It went from father to daddy. And really, they used it more like we do when we say daddy. And I'll never forget, I was uh, led by the Spirit. I was ministering at a, don't go back to the back story, but I was, at, I was asked to minister to at a funeral of someone who didn't go to church like that family, the person that passed. And, and the Lord said, he, when I was going, said, what do I say? He says, make sure you, you tell them I'm their daddy. And he goes, you use that word through the whole time. And y'all know me, I love, and I've never said the word really daddy or anything, but I did. So I went and I just started, and man, the person who invited me, they got mad. They manifested on me and they came up and said, don't you dare call dad or call God daddy. And I said, well, now slow your roll just for a second. I said, Jesus said he is Abba, which was the only word. It went from father to daddy, but Jesus wasn't talking about father. He was talking about daddy, right? And I think he was talking about that, that very close. But listen to me. I say that, say, guys, do we, we share that role with him? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Have you ever thought about that? Huh? <laughs> well, tell us the, well, it went okay. I mean, they still got mad, and we ministered. We loved on people, and all the people who were there. The guy that invited me, he just needs to know daddy, right? I mean, it's one of those. He was yeah. baptized in a little bit of pickle juice somewhere along the way, <laughs> and uh, he just needs to. He needs to. You gotta remember that. I mean, can I just say I mean, you pause that you remember? God doesn't want us to be salesmen. God wants us to be satisfied customers of our salvation. And I found that when I finally became a satisfied customer of my salvation, I had no problems telling people about my, my Jesus. Just as much as when we go to restaurants, we go see movies, and we go do stuff, and we really enjoy ourselves and we have a good time, you have no problem saying, you have got to go do this. Right? And in my own life, whenever I've struggled 
right, to share faith. It's probably because I slipped back over into salesman more than satisfied customer. Yeah. Does, does that make sense? So this guy was, he just needed to be a satisfied customer. He was, he was selling Jesus, but he wasn't buying Jesus, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so, um, and stuff. But the people there, they, they just would because none of them had dads. Not a soul there had a father in their life that was active. You know, we live in the most fatherless generation in our country's history. Yeah. Here, here's the stats. And I'm not trying to make this heavy or anything like that, but just to paint the picture and come back to something that we're going to talk about. They talk about how that, to, you know, during the Civil War, let me back up. So the stat is this, that during the Civil War, right after the Civil War, both North and South, we lost over 600,000 fathers. And it took our nation, it took our nation roughly from the Civil War to right around World War I, so 40-ish years, to catch up to that loss. And then the Great War came. Wow. Right. We live in a time now where we have more fatherlessness than that. We're running about 800,000 lost but none of those fathers of today are dead. Yeah. They're just choosing not to They're just not present. So it's actually a bit of a worse situation than what we had during the Civil War because at least people could reconcile with people my father was killed. Yeah. For a good cause. For a good cause. <laughs> right. My father was killed. Right. But in our generation today that we live, he's just not there. Does that make sense? So dads that are here, listen, you literally get to be a culture changer because you share the role of father with your father, with your dad. Yeah. Amen. And that means, like our heavenly daddy, you have some unique superpowers. Right? And one of the greatest ones I have identified that we share is we have an ability because of simply being father to actually call out and solidify identity in our, in our children and in our lives and in our world. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Have you ever noticed that Heavenly Father... He never changes his language about you. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah. Right? You can go out today and you can make a mistake. You can sin, if you will, or whatever you want to call it. And he'll still call you righteous. And he'll still call you just. And he'll still call you holy. And he'll still call you beloved. And he never changes what he says about who you are. Even if what you're doing does not align with who you are. Yeah. And it's actually that creative power that draws us out of bad behavior. Yeah. And into who we actually are. Amen. Oh, that's good. Does that make sense? Right. I'll tell you two stories on me and then we'll kind of see where we go from there. Is that all right? So... Uh, most of you know my wife. Might know Selena. Might not know my wife. Michelle, you maybe not met my wife, Miss Tessa. It's your mom. <laughs> right. my, my wife. Is, so I've, I've told this story before. My wife is is beautiful. She is a beautiful lady. 
because I told her she was. Man, I know that sounds arrogant, but here's what I mean. She did not believe it. When we were first married, she had a lot of self-doubt, self-issues, and she did not think she was attractive at all. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. And I began to catch hold of what I just shared with you because it says in Ephesians chapter 5, talking about marriage and talking about Jesus, it says that Jesus presents us to himself as not having spot or wrinkle. Yeah. Now, it doesn't say we don't have spots and wrinkles. It says he just presents us to himself as without spot and wrinkle. Yeah. you got to catch that. Yeah. So, see, Jesus takes you, and when he presents you to himself, he says you're perfect, you're beautiful, you're holy, you're just, you're lovely, and that's all that he says about you. Come on, maybe Come on. Well, he's talking about marriage. So a, a gentleman helped me. He said, Brad, if you'll do that for your wife, you watch her change. Yeah. And so I began to present Selena to myself as the woman of my dreams. And I began to say over her and speak over her. Y'all jokingly heard me say, that's where this whole thing in our family, I said, hey, listen, remember, nobody talks bad about my wife. Even my wife. So when she would speak bad of herself, I would correct her and say, no, 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 that's not my wife. My wife is this. This is who she is. This is who you are. This is who you are. Listen, guys, listen. Now, fast forward to today. We can't go to Lowe's without my wife drawing every man in the building like honey. I mean, I mean, y'all know I did construction for like eight years. I'd go into Lowe's and get no attention. I'm not the best looking thing in the world, but I'm not like butt ugly either. (laughs) But I got no attention. I got nothing. And Selena goes in there and is like, man, can we help you? And she got guys following her. And I just laugh and she'll look and she'll go, stop it. I said, oh, I created that. That's awesome. (laughs) I I, I did that. Come on, listen. You know, that's what God does for you. Huh? Oh yeah, we go. To, we, we love going to. I won't name it. Just we go going to a local tire place. We need tires, and boy, I've seen it like a half a dozen times now. We'll pull up. Play. You know, tire places are busy, right? especially if they're good. Yeah. And this place is busy, like all the time. We'll pull up. My wife gets out. I have seen guys. Those guys there, literally, they're talking to a customer. No, her and still talk to Selena. And I'm like, well, dude, you just left your other coming. I mean, we good. We, but she, they. T- <laughs> so, uh, now, I'll jokingly I say, you know, something's going on with their truck. I'll say, hey, go talk to your boyfriends down at the tire place. They'll help you out. And, and they give her can. It's, it's crazy. I mean, it, is, it is awesome. I made that. Listen, and I know that's how I made that. And I don't say that in arrogance. I just say that that's, that's your ability. That's what you, that's the power of father, husband. That's what you share with your heavenly father. Yes. Mm. Come on now, are you with me? So, I mean, I'll just speak real, real challengingly to our men. So if you don't like your home situation, change it. 
Are you with me? Yeah. I have to sing that with my kids. Right? My kids. I love all of my kids. Three of them are here with us. Right? But we've had some of them that have kind of, you know, they like, they scare you sometimes. Look, you oh. <laughs> Right? I'm, I wouldn't, I didn't want that. So I changed, I, I learned. And I, I'm thinking of one and just for sake for them. And I saw things coming and tendencies that are historic in my family were starting to show up little buds. And I said, oh, no, 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 no. And I went to God. I said, what do we do? And he says, tell them who they are. Talk to them. Tell them who they are. That's right. You don't change. And so I, that's what I did to this one. Talk, talk to them. Every time I, this is who you are. This is who God made you to be. This is what you will be. This is what's going to be like. This is what's going to come. Yes. Right? Amen. Amen. Irregardless of, of attitude, irregardless of behavior. I mean, I still disciplined when we needed to. I still did a role of father. But my language never changed. Yes. Right? And we saw the whole situation totally uprooted and turned around. So I said, that's your superpower. Is you share with God the ability to literally create call out identity. Amen. And, again, and, and I'll share it here in that case because I know we live in a, in a day and age of heavy gender confusion. Right? Uh, psychologists and sociologists tell us you know, that they now know that between the ages of 18 months and 3 years, irregardless of gender, male or female, the child will turn from mother and look to father. So to our new ones that have new babies, uh, be ready for that. You gotta be ready for it, it's gonna happen. You gotta be ready. And then, now listen, mamas, all y'all mamas, I love y'all, right? But when, when little Buford or little Susie, right, whoever they are, right, when they, when you see them turn towards dad, don't get jealous. Yeah, come on. Don't take that as an insult, you know, because sometimes, I mean, Celine and I would watch this, Carried them for nine months. Daggum, I didn't sleep for a year and a half. I mean, you know, <laughs> all this kind of stuff. My body turned into public utilities. I mean, it was all, I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, all this stuff. And, and they turned and, we, and she had to learn, no, 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 that's God's design. It's a homing beacon for identity. So we on the walk from 18 months to three years old, they will turn from mother, boy or girl, they will seek out father. Uh -huh. And little boys are seeking, am I dangerous? Am I man enough? Am I tough enough? Yeah. Right? And that's their call. That's why they run around and go, look at my muscle. <laughs> right? That's why they go around. That's why they, that's why they let them bristle up with knives. Right? Let them, because it's all, they're, they're calling out little girls. That's why they spin around and go, daddy, 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 ain't I pretty? Right? They want to know that they're worth being, listen to me, your daughters want to know they're worth being pursued. They're, that they're beautiful. Right? So, so dads look, and, it, and again, now, that's the biological window. If we miss that window, the desire never stops. You can still pick it up. You can pick it up into their old age. You can pick it up into adult years. I know that because I didn't have a daughter named Audra until she was an adult. 
And the same little girl at three, when I wasn't there because I had abandoned her, was looking for the same thing for me at 20 as she was probably looking for when she was two and three years old. So I just say that to say if some of y'all here go, well, man, all my kids are a bit older than three. Okay, it's not too late. They're still hung. I'm just saying there's a window. Grandparents, there's a window. If you've got young little bitties in your life, there is a window. Be on the lookout when that window happens and they start hunting identity, turn them to their dads. What if the, what if the no good sucker ain't there? Somebody step in. If a man will step in and be a father figure yeah. and do the same thing, they'll, it's a home beacon. They'll home in on the voice of a father. It's more powerful when it's their own. I'm not going to deny that. But they will hone in on the heart of a father. Because that's how God made us. Does that make sense? So guys, listen. We can change our world. Thank you for that thunderous. Amen. You can change our culture. Because you are literally sharing the role of father with the creator, of the, with the daddy of the universe. And if we will hook up with that. Guys, listen, and I asked him, Lord, show me who they are. Help me see people beyond what I see on the outside. Help me see them. Because now, as I said, I get the pride of 50 years old this year. I'm so stinking excited, you can't even imagine. Right? Why? Because I'm, I'm rounding the corner into a level of fatherhood I didn't know existed. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, like we, uh, Brother Jeff Thomas was here at the men's conference yesterday. I loved what he said. He says, throughout our journey as men, we're always leveling up. Right. You know, we, we start out as little babies and we level up to toddlers and we get to walk. And we level up and we're a kid and we get to play. And we level up to a teenager and we get to express some adulthood. And we level up and we have to become adults. Right? Well, then we level up and we get to get married and start a family. Guys, listen, I'm about to level up. I'm about to enter into the three biggest decades of my life, as I've said that to you before. The 50s, the 60s, and the 70s are the three greatest decades of your existence on this planet. And I'm looking at it, I'm stinking excited because God is showing me, he says, son, now I can let you be a father to me. Come on, are you with me? You can either get excited or discouraged. It's your choice. I'd encourage you to get excited. I'd encourage you to not quit. Let's go here. Let's... Let's look at three passages and three encouragements. And then I'll let you go. Does that sound good? Man, a lie. Holy moly. So you remember that 30-minute thing I said earlier? Yeah, I lied. I'm sorry. <laughs> so 1 Corinthians chapter 16. I shared this in the group in the passage trans- Passion Translation. Three scriptures, three encouragements, and lunch. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. This is for all of all of you men. Hey guys, listen, I'm so proud to have a church that's got a bunch of men in it. Amen. Yes. Lord. I'm 
so excited. You know how many churches are just, no, no offense ladies, are just filled with women. Amen. And we love women too. I love all y'all ladies. Amen. But, but I haven't shared, I don't know if I've shared this analogy. The Lord showed it to me when we lived out west. You know those old wagon wheels on a stagecoach? Remember those? You can hold that in your mind. I still have Vaseline. I don't know if you really jumped on board. Maybe I just need to make it happen and get for forgiveness. But, it's a, <laughs> but I've always I wanted to buy like an old wagon wheel. Because to me, that's the image of the creation. So the wagon wheel, there's all these spokes that come out of the hub, right? Well, the hub is the family. And out of the family comes evangelism and missions and the church and entrepreneurship and business and education. And all this stuff, it, it flows out of the hub of family. But if you ever studied and looked at the wagon wheels, how they put them on the wagon, there's always, boys, y'all all right? Okay. Uh, just check. Make sure. Okay. So uh, they put a nut on the end of that axle. Yeah. Gentlemen, we're the nut. In both sets of the word. Amen. <laughs> Amen. We, we're, we're the nut that holds the wheel on to culture. That's why the devil goes after men so stinking hard. Because he knows if I can take the nut off the end, then everything falls off the wagon. That's right. That's right. Does that make sense? So, gentlemen, that's why Paul addresses the first Corinthians here in, in chapter 16, verse 13. And Kevin, you got your King James back there? I do. Good old King Jimmy. Can you look up 1 Corinthians 16, 13? I'm going to read from New King Jimmy. And ask Kevin to read from Old King Jimmy good and loud. But it says, Watch, stand fast in the faith. Then, gentlemen, underline these next two words, be brave. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Be brave. One translation says, be mighty. I love that. Be strong. Let all that you do be done with love. Now read it in, in Old King James. Watch ye stand fast in the faith. Quit ye like men. Be strong. I love that phrase. It's an old English phrase. Quit ye like men. Paul literally is speaking to a church. Now, again, he's speaking to a very carnal church. If you look, I've said this before, if you look at the church in historically of Corinth, they were not too dissimilar than the church in America right now. Full of all kinds of sensuality, full of fleshiness, full of all, and full of the power of God all at the same time. <laughs> and his, his closing out, right, this is his final words to this church that he spent this whole book literally correcting and addressing carnality and bad behavior. And here he says, hey, listen, so we've talked about all this, how to adjust all this bad that's going on. Now this is how you keep it. Be a man. Did you see that? He said, watch. And that's a military word in the Greek. It literally means stand guard on the wall. Keep watch. Be steadfast or firm in the faith. Be a man. 
So my, my first verse here and my first challenge is this gentleman. I'm so proud of each other. Let us continue to be men. Let us quit ourselves like men. Which means my determination is, is we will be manly. I want a church full of manly men. Can I just be a little bit, little bit salty as I learned in how to say in Walker County. I want some good old toxic masculinity in our church. Does that make sense? Come on. And I, and I mean that if you don't read the research and I know we can get into the debates and all the, and just, ugh. I guess good type. There's a good type. Here's the thing. What they say, toxic masculinity is this. It says you should not be ambitious. That is exactly what they say. Toxic masculinity is men who have drive and ambition and our culture is seen as toxic. I was about to say, I think we need to define terms on that one. We're going to. Because when I think of toxic, I think of a few men. Sure. What, what can I, and hear what I'm saying though, and so let's talk about this, let's define our terms. The men you're talking about aren't men. Let us divorce the association that when we think of, listen to me, I understand the stuff, I'm trying to keep this PG. Just because you have certain, my daughter, thank you. Just because you have certain anatomy doesn't make you a man. Makes you, makes you male. But it doesn't make you a man. Yes. Right. See, gender is male and female. It's not men and women. Does that make sense? But a man is ambitious. Come on. A man is strong. A little bit of a false of Jordan Peterson. So yeah. what does he say? He says it's good for a man to be dangerous. Danger, I love that. Yes, I love that. Good men are dangerous. Okay, hold on. I see it. Does that mean? That, and that, I love what he says because what Jordan Peterson, that thing, he's shocking everybody. He's a philosopher from Canada. And he says this. He says, because if a man is not dangerous, then morality means nothing. He says, but only when a man has an ability to be dangerous and has the morality to control it and to bring it to bear when it's needed and to keep, I love when he says like this, he actually did a study. Have you heard Jesus say this before? That the meek shall inherit the earth. And many times in our church culture, we think meek means weak. But I love because I did the research years ago before I even knew Jordan Peterson, and he's dead on. See, meek, the, the word meek is a war word in the Greek. Yeah. Right? And, and it literally talks about, you can say it more like this. Those who have a sword and know how to use it and keep it sheathed shall inherit the earth. Yeah. Do you hear the difference in that? See, that, see the word, when I looked it up years ago, it, it was the word used to define war horses. Yeah. The big horses of war in the ancient times that were full of strength and they loved battle. Like a war horse. Like we watch those movies and everybody gets all tender. How did the horsey got stabbed? Right? <laughs> you know? War horses crave battle. Yeah. 
They would paw at the earth, and they would they would they would they would strain at the bit, but they were under such control that the rider could guide them with his knees. That's why he could shoot a bow and he could free his hands because he didn't have to control the strength forcibly. He could control the strength by simply touching the animal with his knees. That's meekness. The love of battle, the love of conquest, the strength to accomplish it, but completely controlled. Now, how many of you ladies would like a man like that? <laughs> Does that make sense? How many, of you, how many of you men would like to be a man like that? Yeah. As listen, that's what we were created to be. Yeah. We were created for strength. I'm no longer trying not to meddle too hard. <laughs> Amen. It, it's, um, it's interesting... It's interesting why obesity is so out of control. In a time when identity is lost, obesity is sky high. Do you see a correlation? Now again, I'm not throwing rocks because I'm, you know, this is, I got the body of a god. (laughs) Too bad it's Buddha. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'm going to invite all of you men to work on it. Does that make sense? I mean, again, I, again, not to, and I go hear me talk. I love my friend Ben's church, but one of the things, you know, I love that jacks me up every time I go visit. I'm the fattest dude in the church. Does that make sense? I go out there and look at this. I'm like, well, dude, y'all inspire me. Does that I shared it with some of the men. Uh, one of the guys out there, his name is James Madison. I'm going to get him here next year to teach for us. You'll love him. But Brother James, is he's a Barnabas like I've never met before. The man's amazing. But he sends me this thing. He says, it's time to drop the dad bod because it's really a father figure. <laughs> he says, so be an example to the next generation. <laughs> and then he sends me, he goes, so Brad... 50 push-ups, 50 squats, 50 jumping jacks a day, and you'll have a great father figure. I'm like, snap. <laughs> but hey, but listen, can you imagine, right? We can do it, and I will. We're going to man up. We love to say that phrase, don't we? Hey, but listen, but listen to me. Guys, listen. Our... our our young men are hungry for it. It's, it and again, I didn't mean to go there. But it, it's a shame that our young men have to be inspired by ungodly men for fitness. Because every Christian man they know is about due to have a heart attack. Yeah. Throw myself in the boat. Us word of faith pe- preachers are the worst of us all. Because we believe in healing. So we just think that means pass the fried chicken. Because I can eat terribly and not take care of my body that was purchased, and God will just keep healing me. I'll just leave that there. 
Does that make sense? Yes. Every day. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, because it's just who you are. But, but that's what Paul, quit ye like men. Yeah. Be strong. Be mighty. Right? Be a conqueror. Paul said again, you are more than a conqueror. Listen to me, Paul took it up a level. He just didn't say conquer. He said, you're more than conquerors. I mean, I would just be happy to hit some conquer. How about <laughs> But he said, hey, you're more than a conqueror. You're bigger than a conqueror. Does that? Anyway. That's how we do. First, go to the next one. Go to 1 Corinthians 4. I told you three scriptures, three encouragements. Is this all right? Well, I hope so. Not apologizing for this one. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, just to the left a little bit, verse 14. Paul writes, again, he's writing to this very carnal church. He says, I do not write these things to shame you. Now listen, anytime we speak of anything corrective, like I just did even with like weight and exercise, or we talk about money, or we talk about, as we're about to in a minute, we talk about work ethic, right? And we talk about ambition. Please hear me. Nothing is to shame us. If we begin to feel shame, you need to know that's either the devil or your own interpretation of what you're hearing. So you need to kick it to the curb. Because Paul here, and Paul in this letter, if you read the whole letter sometime, Paul is like holding back no punches with the Corinthians. Like he is, he's like, have you ever, you know, you well grew up in the South, do you ever have your parents look at you, we're going to go out behind the woodshed? You might have parents make you cut you on switch. Come on now. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> You know what I mean? And, and, and you cut your own switch. You better not bring back the little bitty flimsy one, right? Our daddy will come back with like a limb, right? <laughs> yeah. but, but Paul is Paul is correcting. He's taken the Corinthians to the woodshed in many different things. If you read that letter, right? He is speaking harshly even at times, but correctively. But he says, but listen, none of this was to shame you. So again, even in this, if, if I say anything, none of this is to shame anybody, myself included. But as a beloved child, I warn you. It's warnings. Does that make sense? Uh, guys, again, not to get too hard on the, on the physical stuff too much, but listen to me. Guys, this you know, number one health problem in Alabama, Obesity. Causes heart disease, causes diabetes, right? Over 85% of cancers are diet and exercise related. Not enough oxygen, not enough physicality. Y'all hear me, please listen. I say this as a warning. Does that make sense? They talk about every extra pound of flesh. I forgot, it's like, I forgot, it's, it's, it's like Anywhere from three to four miles of extra blood vessels. 
Have you ever thought about that? That's why it strains your heart. It's literally for every extra pound of weight I towed around, I got four more miles of blood vessels my heart's trying to put blood into. Yeah. And y'all look at If I look up, if I smile real big, look at your neighbor, and go, I'm glad he's talking to you. <laughs> Come on, don't be dis- listen, don't be discouraged. Right? And I'm not talking about vanity, I'm talking about purpose. Oh, yes, ma'am. <laughs> yeah, well, some of that. Well, here you know, and I hear you, and that's what doctors say. I'm going to change that just look, because I've been, I this last week through some of my business connections, I met a lady. Uh, I believe she's a believer. I'm finding out she she sounds believerish, but I haven't had been able to sit down and go. Do you know Jesus yet? I'm going to. But she's that, and I like. The only thing she has says, "Listen, don't call food bad. All food is good." And when you read scripture, that, that aligns with scripture. All things were given. All things. Paul said to the Thessalonians, hey, be thankful. Don't ask where something comes from. Give thanks to it. Bless it. And he'll turn it into life. Uh-huh. Now, does that mean we go out to McDonald's all the time? No. Yeah. Right. So she encourages people in her business because she is a, a health and wellness coach. She goes, the first thing I have to get people to do is to quit looking at food as bad. Which makes, again, if we think about it, not to go into the whole message, if you believe something is bad, yeah. it will be bad. No, you'll still eat it. Do, do the other thing. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. But, but here's the thing, though. But it, you have to, the reason why things taste horrible is because we think they're bad. Yeah, it, it's, I don't think it's bad. I just think it tastes horrible. So I don't eat it. Gotcha. Well, again, so I, I, I hear you and I understand, but do you think vegetables are bad? Do you eat vegetables? No, colors are bad. But see, I, and now here's my challenge. Here's my challenge, though. Here's the thing. And this is not to get to it. You must change what you think. Change your life. Well, a lot of it is convenience. Yeah. No, and I'm with you. Hey, hey we, we, we have now, again, Kurt, I'm not picking on you. I love, I love your feedback. We all have our excuses. But our excuses never excuse us. We have to just understand they're excuses. Right? And we have to understand that at a, at a root level, and I know what you're saying, at a root level, right, there are things that we look at stuff and go, that's bad. That's yucky. That's this. And, and, and it's a core shift of stuff. Because again, Scripture says, and again, I'm coming, in the beginning, God gave us everything. And He really talks about vegetables and herbs and plants, everything for our health and for our food. Right? So even though we may not like eggplant, that does not mean eggplant tastes bad. I just don't like it. Because there's a whole raft of other people that eat eggplant and they love it. John's one of them back there. I love eggplant. 
Does that make? But listen to me. But and, and I, but there's a distinction. That's why again I'm not and not to get too off into the weeds. But it's why I'll pick on the Holloman kids that are here still left. So what's the rule at the table? If you, you don't have to like it, you just have to. Eat. You don't have to like it. You just have to eat it. Well, it does, but here's the thing, and, and, and the reason why I say that two fold reasons. Number one, because many times our likes and dislikes are based on a belief, not a reality. Very true. Very true. I don't like X. Why? Well, because whatever. I never saw my dad. Again, I never saw my daddy eat it. I never saw this. Only time I ever. It's like I jokingly said, you know, I used to say, you know, I, I hate cottage cheese. What is it? cottage cheese? Cottage cheese. You might know what cottage cheese is. And see, I was talking because you only see overweight people eat cottage cheese. So it must be bad. Because it's a, but listen to me. We, but we have mindsets that were given, given to us. I don't have to. You understand, we did not inherit bad genes towards food. We inherited bad thoughts about food. Yeah. yeah. That's good. <laughs> it's just, does that make sense? Now, that's, a, that's one reason aside. But the other reason is, guys, I think I've told you when we lived in Mexico, I'm grateful because my mom was the, mom didn't have our little saying that I did. Mom would just look at you and go, you're going to eat it or you're going to starve, right? I mean, that was kind of like, <laughs> like, and I've seen mom too many times when kids come over and go, ooh, I don't like that. And she would literally grab their plate, slide all of it off into the trash, look at them with that mom look and go, you better go play now. And the little kid was like, but, but, but I'm hungry. She goes, I don't care. You better go play now. And next meal, when little Buford, my friend, came over, whatever was up on his plate, I was amazed at how he ate stuff. And it was awesome. <laughs> because all of a sudden, he met someone who didn't care what he thought he liked or didn't like. He just, does that make sense? I'm grateful for that because here's why. Later, I went to Mexico and I ate all kinds of stuff. I ate all kinds of stuff for the kingdom of God. I'm in a mountain village at a pastor's house, and it's poor. They are poor folk. We are in a hut. And breakfast was pigskin soup. That was what breakfast was because that's what they had. So I sit down, and I grab a tortilla, and I grab a spoon, and I stab my piece of pigskin, and it rolls over, and it's still got the hair attached to it. You got that character in Amen. And so before I could stop myself, I grabbed it with a tortilla so I didn't have to look at it and put some hot sauce on it. And we ate it. We ate all of it. Right? I went to places and we ate stuff and we saw it and we ate it. And we ate, we, we ate, I ate stuff, son, because people gave of their best and they gave freely and we ate it. And I, and I taught and I lived there for four years and we're leaving. It's the last service and they're honoring us as Selena and I go out. And it's so funny because everyone gets up and I'll, they said all kinds of flowery, wonderful stuff about Selena. It was awesome. And then they turned to me and they said some nice stuff, but all of them said, Brad, what we love most about you is you ate our food. You never didn't eat what we served you. And because you ate it, we wanted to receive Everyone. All of them. And I said, oh, wow. Thank you, Jesus. 
that, that I was trained. As listen to me, what I'm talking, there's so much. There's so, you, you represent the kingdom. Anyway, does that make sense? So he says, hey, listen, I say none of this to shame you. I say all of this to correct you and to warn you. Because look at verse 15. Because you might have 10,000 instructors. I didn't know Paul had YouTube, did you? <laughs> you, you might have 10,000 people you follow on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube. And you're listening to brother, pastor, sister, apostle, prophet, evangelist, reverend, so-and-so from all over the world. But what does he say? But you do not have many fathers. For in Christ, he says, I begot you in the gospel. Verse 16, therefore, I urge you, imitate me. Did you hear that? He says, fathers, listen to me. Fatherhood is about being someone people can imitate. That's what fatherhood is. Whether that's physical, natural fatherhood or spiritual fatherhood. Paul says, hey, listen, you're going to have thousands of people who are going to want to share information with you. But you won't have many people who are fathers. And what Paul said, people who are willing to apply the discipline to their own life so that they can be someone you can imitate. And, and, and again, my, so my challenge here with this for time is, listen, I want you to think about your life as it is. Kevin did a great job on, on, on Friday night. We are a three-part being. We all know that, right? God made us in His image. So God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So if I'm made in His image, then I too am three parts. I am a spirit that has a soul, and what we mean by soul, soul and spirit are distinct throughout the Bible. The soul simply means it's your mind, your will, your emotions, your intellect, your passions, your desires, your opinions. That's your soul. So you have a soul and you live in a body. So what I want you to do, fathers, is can your family imitate you all three parts of you they will will, one way or the other right now praise god if we're born again my spirits took care of hallelujah aren't you glad about that amen it looks just like jesus it has been changed hallelujah don't have to worry about that my soul though (laughs) my soul paul said needs to be renewed Needs to be transformed by the word of God. But my question is, is what if my children fully imitated my soul? What if they imitated the way I think? The way I feel and how I govern my mood? What if they fully imitated my soul? They would, but but what I'll, here's my thing though. I look at me, if I'm looking at Monica and me, Josh going, I wouldn't want them. There's still some parts I need to. Exactly. <laughs> There's still some parts of my soul 
that Brad needs to go hard after the Lord and say, Lord, help me here. Does that make sense? I, I mean, again, I'll come back to our body and I'm not trying to be mean. I don't want my kids to imitate me physically. Not at this time. I'm on board. I want to be like Caleb. And I truly do. My son inspires me. That's awesome. Right? And I realize I need to be a bigger inspiration for him. Does that make... Is that... I know. Everybody all right? Everybody look around? Say happy Father's Day or something. Y'all look at me like I just shot your favorite dog or something like that. I don't know. Amen? But, But listen, but that's what Paul says. Paul, hey, listen... You won't have many people who will be willing to allow the Holy Spirit to transform them to a degree where they could be a father, someone who wants to be and can be imitated. See, guys, that's manhood. Manhood is, guys... I want us to build, again, coming back to our vision as a church, one of the things God said, he said, build a place where people can belong, people can be known, people can become. And when he talked about becoming, he unpacked the word become. He said, build strong men, build strong families, and build a strong core, which are those three things you see on the wall. Right? But one of the things God's asked us to do is build strong men. Yeah. Right? So again, I want us to imagine to think about a church where when men come in this place, they are surrounded and they're like, going, I want to be like those guys. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be like them spiritually. I want to be like them in their soul. I want to be like them physically. Yeah. And physically, yes. Physically, physically. Right? But I also want to be like them, how they work. How they are in the world. Does that make sense? And last verse, and then we'll be done. Man alive, holy moly. Genesis chapter 1. This is the beginning of things. Very famous verse probably to many of us. It says in Genesis 1 verse 26, Then God said, let us, there's that triune part again, let us make man in our image. So we, this one verse tells us that God is one person with three parts. According to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the cattle, over the creeping things, everything that crawls upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then it says in verse 28, then God blessed them. And I can't say this verse without that. So what was God's first action to man? Blessings. Blessings. What's God's default position towards you? Blessing. God's default position is never cursing. Yes. Amen. Amen. I'm God's default position is never cursing. Why? Because in the beginning, his instant disposition was he blessed them. But notice, this is what blessing looks like. He says, so be fruitful, multiply. Fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over it. That's the blessing of God. Now listen to me, gentlemen, God created, and even though, and I know, again, if you listen to Brother Jeff say, I know man and woman were together there, I get all the stuff. But in this story, 
God was talking directly to Adam. Yeah. Now, Eve was in him, so there is the, the whatever, the dualness of it. But I want you to think, he said this first to the man. Does that make sense? Yeah. I want you to, this was your command to be ambitious. Yeah. That's the thought I wanted to leave with you. Yeah. It began with God sat there. He made mankind. He says, boy, come here. I made a whole planet just for you. Have you ever thought about that before? See, we all get kind of stuck in, well, he made the garden. And we might think of grandpa's garden or we might think of, you know, God said, and I made a garden on a planet for you. On a galaxy. Come on. Did, come on. Are you with me? And, and I love that. Sorry, I'm doing a bad job today. I, but think about the bigness of God. Did God need a universe? No. no. Did God need the Milky Way? No. Did God even need our solar system? No. Did God need a planet? No. Who did He make all that for? Us. Me. He made it for you. Uh, me. <laughs> right? And then he said, dominate it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Come on. Dom- we just think, yeah, God wants me to dominate my little garden. And hey, let's start there. It's a good place to start. I got my little four boxes. You know, the Miss Teresa and Ellie's came to the house of the way, and I got my little little row of plants and my little planters out in my front yard. Those that have seen it, and I've got my little tomatoes, and, and that's awesome because that's about all I got time to do this year. You know what I mean? But in me, I, I run like a big garden inside of me. <laughs> in my want to, I got hundreds of acres, right? And so I've got the time for hundreds of acres. I, I got time for like seven pots in my front yard. That's what I. And many times, if we're not careful, I'm going to dominate my little seven pots. Hey, listen, if that's where you're at, start there. But know that God gave you a whole universe that He made just for you. And he said, hey, let, I bless you. Go dominate this thing. Go be ambitious. Yeah, yes. hey, th- think about that. Fruitful. How, is that a little bit or a lot? Multiply. Is that a little bit or a lot? Right? Fill the earth. A little bit or a lot? Now, remember, God's habit of filling stuff, right? We've been talking about God's habit of filling stuff ends up sinking your boat. (laughs) Right? Jesus didn't adjust the size of the blessing to the size of the net. Jesus said, I'm going to bust it. And I'm going to sink your boat too. Because I said, I like doing that. Does that... Yes. <laughs> Does that, you know, there's a Jewish custom that the Jewish people have. I would love if we did this in our, they do it every Sabbath in a Jewish home. The head of the household will take a deep bowl and he'll put a, a goblet in it. And then he'll begin to fill wine in the goblet. And he'll fill the goblet till it overflows and fills the bowl. 
And the whole time they're reciting the fact that God has blessed us. And as he fills our home, he'll fill our world. Come on, y'all. Listen, gentlemen, be ambitious. And, and, and last thought, and, and here is, is this. Kevin, I, you and I, we've been talking over some texts and stuff. I've been, I've been studying something lately, and I want to pack the whole study. Uh, if you're interested, you can come talk to me. But culturally, here where we live, I'm talking about back to our ancestors that came. We have a cultural heritage of a lack of ambition. We have a history in our culture, our southern culture, of not really wanting to go too far, just enough to get by, what little do I have to do. I don't know if you've seen that transpire. It's in our school. Listen to me. That's not our kingdom. Our kingdom is a kingdom of, hey, listen, fruitful, multiply, fill it. So, so my last ambition or my last instruction is I want you to go home this week and we'll talk about it in the group meeting. But spirit, soul, and body, what do these five commands look like? What does it look like to be fruitful? Again, we've been talking about physicality, so we'll just keep the example. What would fruitful look like physically for me? Well, uh, I got to answer that for myself. You got to answer for you, right? So I don't want to answer my own questions, right? But you're right to be fit, to be skinnier. I don't want to be skinny. I just want to be skinnier, right? Fruitful, but I do want to multiply. What does that look like? I want to fill my life with health and vitality. What does that look like? I want to subdue my habits and my thoughts and my eating. What does that look like? I want to have dominion over this physicalness. Does that make sense? And I want you to do that for every area of your life. Amen. We all will do that. And let's talk about it on the group meeting. Happy, guys, this is happy Father's Day. Let's be men. Let's be people that our families and others want to imitate. And guys, go be ambitious in your work. Amen. So, Lord, we love you so much. So grateful for our time today. Thank you for our fathers. Thank you for our men. Lord, thank you for what you're doing in and amongst us in Jesus' name. Show us how to respond to what you said.